Amen. We're in the book of Hosea tonight. <laughs> Hosea number 10. You'll turn there with us for a verse of scripture. That's page 788 in my Bible. That'll help you any. You can go to Matthew and take a left and go, what, 11 books? You'll be in Hosea. Hosea number 10. Since we're only looking at one verse, I'm going to ask you to turn to a verse also in the book of Ezekiel. That's chapter number 34. Ezekiel number 34. Hosea number 10. Then I want to read a few verses in Second Chronicles 7, if you want to turn there also. Second Chronicles number 7, Ezekiel number 34, Hosea number 10. I'm mindful that you have activities after the meeting. I won't need long to share with you what I feel the Lord has brought to my attention this evening. I had a question asked me in a preacher's meeting a while back. A young pastor, there was a time that they opened the audience to some questions to the speakers. I'd spoken on revival pastor stood and he said, Brother Hurt, in the last five years, where would you say that you saw, as he put it, the most obvious move of God? He went ahead and mentioned that he was referring to revival. He called it a, a time of refreshing. And I said to him, I really wouldn't have to go back. I won't be going back five years. I'd made reference in my message that he'd listened to that morning about something that took place about five years ago. And uh, he was asking a question about that and asking if I had uh, seen anything that would be comparable to what I had mentioned. And I said to him, this was back a few weeks ago, and I said, I really don't need to go back, but just just a few months. I've said that because I want to illustrate in what I'm talking about this evening, telling you that something that I was privileged to be in on, I don't want to imply that Wilbur Hurt was any cause of that. You'll understand when you hear what I'll have to say at the close of the message that it was real obvious that it was not because of this preacher, but I had the privilege of being a part of something, reaping where I had not sown, where others had labored, and I was privileged to enter into the harvest. The book of Second Chronicles, Solomon is in prayer, and he finishes his prayer, and God answers him, and uh, the first part of his answer, God comes rather publicly to him. And then God has a word to him privately. 
Second Chronicles 7 and verse 1, we're told Solomon had made a, an end of praying. And the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. The priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Now that's God publicly responding to Solomon's prayer. Manifested his presence and his glory. But then down in verse 12, the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. God said to Solomon, having revealed his approval and answered his prayer, but God said to him, if the day should come that I could not smile upon you, could not reveal my, my favor, my presence that expresses his favor, God says, you then can expect me to shut the heaven. And shutting up the heaven, he said, there'll be no rain. I want you to just think about that. Among other things here that God says that he will express his displeasure by, one of them is no rain. The heavens are closed into God's people primarily. Basically, in those days, they're agriculture, they're farm people. And they immediately know what this means. There's, I mean, there's no harvest, of course. No rain, God says. That's my way of... Letting you know when I'm not smiling on you. When I'm not revealing my pleasure. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 34, the same people, God's ancient people Israel, and he talks to them through the prophet here, and it's uh, really, it's uh, the text uh, is bringing into focus a future date primarily. But what I want us to look at tonight is just a, a thought here, and it's expressing the same same idea that we just made reference to. He says in verse number 26 of Ezekiel 34, And I'll make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. And I'll cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. No rain back there in Solomon's day. But here, God coming through the prophet and saying to his people, not only a shower, but plural, God says, there will be showers of blessing. Songwriter perhaps got his inspiration from that text, another text like this one in the Bible. He understood that this truth is 
It's talking about revival. Precious reviving again. Grant to us now a refreshing. Mercy drops round us or falling. But for the showers we plead. No rain. But here God's talking about a time when there's plenteous rain. Showers of blessing. Hosea number 10, verse number 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. No rain in the first text because of God's displeasure. The other text talks about a day when God would so smile on His people that there is plenteous rain, showers, and blessing. But here God comes through the prophet Hosea and talks to his ancient Israel again. And talking to them again in terms that they could relate to, having the background and uh, the understanding and the expertise in the realm of, of farming and he, he, the very first word he talks about, he talks about sowing and then reaping. Brings into focus a soil that has to have some rain upon it before there's ever a harvest. And then says to him, having followed what he tells them to do here, he says, then it's time, implication, it's not time until that happens. It is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness upon you. I won't go into any detail. That'd be beside my point tonight. But a person that you've heard me talk about in this pulpit greatly influenced my life as a young preacher. A man that knew men that I read about, men that I have high regard for. He knew them on a personal basis. Dr. Tozer, Dr. Ironside, he'd worked with both of those men. The missionary statesman, Dr. Smith, Oswald J. Smith, personal close friend of his. He in particular had a real insight into the subject of revival. Talked about revival. Every time I was around him, he'd talk about revival. He was on the staff of the church where I was uh, first uh, a part of after getting saved. He wasn't the pastor. He, they, he, he was in retirement, but he'd preach occasionally. And as you've heard me say before, I, I would stop at his place, leave the army base early in the morning, and would stop at his place, and, and only God knows what he, what he imparted to me, what God did in my needy heart through that servant of God. He's been with the Lord now a, a number of years. But the truth that he uh, primarily talked about was revival, awakening, as he would call it, divine intervention, what, what it takes to bring God on the scene. He was a student of revival. He, he gave me books back in those days. I, I value today. I didn't even know the authors, but uh, books on revival, books that I have some that I've never seen elsewhere. And, and this servant of God, this man of God, he said there is a truth in this text that if somehow we could just get a hold of it, he, he put it like this. He said, here is the secret of a heaven-sent revival. Hosea chapter number 12, or chapter 10 and verse 12, he says the ingredients of this, this, this text, this verse, 
forms the secret, I quote him, of a heaven-sent revival. I want to talk about it a little while tonight. Uh, I want to just ask you to think with me as we look at it. Uh, I, want to, I want to just uh, express what I have to say tonight, primarily, basically, in three words. And I want to illustrate the last one, and I'll uh, illustrate it uh, with what I referred to when I first started talking tonight. But in this text tonight, the first word that I bring before us is the word examination. The second word is the word cultivation. And the third word is the word supplication. And uh, what I'm referring to is I ask you to think with me about those words. Let me put it like this. In order for us to, in my understanding of it, to get a hold of the truth of this text and be in a position where God can reign that reign of righteousness, His blessing, His favor, His, His refreshing upon us. We first of all, well, they, they must be what I'm calling a personal examination. You say, Brother Hurt, what are you referring to as a personal examination? Well, look again at the text when he says, break up your fallow ground. Now, they'd have got a hold of that in that day. I I expect I, I some of us do not tonight. See, he's picturing here, and of course, he's, he's referring when he talks about a rain. He's referring in the spiritual realm. And when he talks about breaking up fallow ground, he brings into focus, he brings into focus their life, their heart. Uh, corresponding is Jesus. He used the same uh, same figure of speech. Jesus said, a sower went out to sow, and the seed fell on this spot of ground. And he said, in that area, there's four types of soil in that one little area. And he was picturing the soil as the picture of a person's heart. The seed's the Word of God. And he said, the condition of the soil determines whether or not the seed gets in or not. And out of the four kinds of soil, four kinds of hearts, only one heart was the ideal heart, and the seed dropped into it and brought a harvest. And so in this picture tonight, it's the same picture, same idea. He calls in them, and of course that's tonight, to bring in the focus, this spot of ground he's talking about. He, our heart corresponds to what he calls fallow ground. And he don't rain on that kind of ground. That kind of soil doesn't get a shower. That kind of soil need not expect a shower. He says that kind of soil has to be attended to. It has to be broken up. We'll look at that in a moment. And then he says it's time to start seeking the Lord. See, a lot of us, we attempt to seek Him and nothing happens because sometimes we haven't paid attention to the soil that he says, you have to give some attention to that. I won't rain on fallow ground. My shower don't come on that kind of ground. And you need to break it up. But somebody says, Brother Hurt, what is fallow ground? Now listen carefully. I was preaching this text some time ago, and, and I just pitched out a question. And I said, somebody, tell me, what is fallow ground? I'm not doing that tonight. Uh, a person told me, <laughs> rather loudly, but he had it wrong, amen. <laughs> He's right here on the second row and got a loud, booming voice. And I said, somebody, tell me what is fallow ground? And he just shouted it out. Well, I didn't want to be, you know, too pointed at him. And I looked and see where he was at. And, and, you know, and I said, now let me see. And I want to try to be a little diplomatic with him, you know, and, and not to not offend him. And I said, fellow, and he shouted a second time. And everybody caught it then. 
I looked at him, and would you believe he said, Brother Hurt, he said, fallow ground is this. And I said, Brother, I beg to differ. <laughs> he got mad and pouted at me then, amen. <laughs> and so you heard me say, well, my glasses off, I can't see past the front row. But he was right here over up front, and I could see him. And, and that don't help you preaching, fellow sitting there pouting, making a face at you after, you know, you made him mad. No, but see, fallow ground. He, he didn't have it right. And I'm no smart aleck. I'm not a know-it-all. But I know what fallow ground is, and I knew he didn't have it right. And when I said, uh, somebody tell me fallow ground, he shouted out loudly. He said, it's new ground. <laughs> well, I know what new ground is, and I know what fallow ground is. Fallow ground's not new ground. <laughs> now, some folks don't have a clue. You have a foggy notion what I'm talking about tonight. New ground, that's virgin territory, that's that soil, it's never brought a harvest. That soil, it's never had anything planted in it. That soil, they've never went out and, and cultivated it. When I was on the farm, I don't have to tell you I'm a farm boy, but we used to add to the area that we planted corn. And each year there'd be some a different spot of ground there. We would we would take away the brush and the roots and the rocks and stumps and so forth. And, and there'd be an addition given to the cornfield, the bean field, whatever we was planting out there. See, it's new ground. We'd, we'd never, it's a spot of ground. And it never had a harvest. It's first time. That's new ground, but it's not fallow ground. Fallow ground is ground that one time was productive soil, but now it's unproductive soil. And perhaps for different reasons. And oftentimes it's just neglect. Here's a spot of ground. They used to go out there, cultivate it, prepare the soil, put the seed in the soil, cultivate the, and and bring the harvest in. But now, it's been permitted to lie waste and soil, and it's soil that's rather crusted over and hardened. And there's no, nothing productive out there. You wouldn't get anything to bring into your kitchen or into the garden or into the crib, into the barn. There's no harvest at harvest time. And God's talking to a people. One time they was productive. One time they brought glory to God. One time they was committed to God. But now it's hallowed ground. They're unproductive in their life now. There's no walking with God. There's no living for God. God says, listen, that kind of soil, that, that life that corresponds to unproductive soil, He said, you'll have to give attention to that. That has to be broken up. I don't rain on that kind of soil. You needn't expect to shower on fallow ground. Now someone said, Brother Hurd, it's unproductive ground. You know primarily why it's unproductive? It's undisturbed ground. Hadn't had a plow in it in a little while. We used to have a garden, you know, as I said, used to. And uh, I'm gone so much. Uh, my wife said to me, Joe, and, and you know, she, she would depend on me to take care of it. And, and about three or four years ago, she said to him, I'm kind of embarrassed with that garden out there. <laughs> I said, well, you're the one here. I'll be looking at you, amen. <laughs> and uh, she heard me preaching along this line. And, 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 and uh, so we just let it go then. It's, it was fallow out there for a while. Oh, there's something grew. But it wasn't, you know, wasn't any tomatoes, wasn't any cucumbers, wasn't any corn, wasn't any beans, wasn't any hot pepper, anything like that we could take in the house. It was weeds and some other things that's unproductive. And she heard me preaching on, you know, foul of ground. She said, that's what your garden is, isn't it? Amen. I said, I guess so. But I thought about it and I said, you know, primarily the reason it hadn't had a plow in it. I mean, I the fellow that did the plowing for me. I told him four or five years ago. I said, now just, I'm, I'm gone so much. Just let it go. Now, since then, we've, we've got some grass out there so it wouldn't be a big bare spot in the backyard. 
But you see, some of us tonight, oh, we're, we're unproductive because we haven't permitted God to disturb us and, and stir us up and, and to break us and bring us away from our comfortable zone and bring us back in touch with God. Preacher over in Memphis, Tennessee, I hear him preach often. I go in that area. I hear him on his telecast and his broadcast, son. And I heard him say to a group of preachers, he said, I can help you. He said, the average audience that you're speaking to, he said, they've got a sign hanging around their neck. A lot of them not aware of it. But if you know how to detect it, it'll help you to relate to them. And said, the sign says, please do not disturb. Amen. <laughs> well, that's who we are. I got a sign hanging on my door at the motel. I don't take room service. I just change linen and, and the sign just hangs there and says, please do not disturb. A lot of us have put one up when it, we're trying to relate to God. Whatever you do, Lord, don't shake me up now. I, fellow said to me not too long ago, I was preaching on, he said, Brother Hurt, we used to sort of have, and the way he put it, we used to put emphasis in that line, but said, you know, we're signing, he said, we're just sort of, we're in that comfortable area now. <laughs> I felt like saying, you didn't have to tell me. I figured that out already. <laughs> but oh, the fallow ground. Personal examination. Could you think of any area of your life tonight? Just be absolute honest. Sir, your wife can't take this. She can't take this inventory for you tonight. Uh, dear lady, your husband, he can't, he can't give this examination to you. You'll have to do it yourself. Any area of your life that you, you in all honesty have to say before God tonight, I was a little more committed there than I am now. Prayer life. What I call you quiet time, devotional time, meeting God daily. Every time you had a more of a sense of a burden for lost people. Was there ever a time that in some of these areas that in all honesty before a holy God that knows us tonight, we'd have to say yes. Oh, I need some help in those areas. I'm coming up a little short, unproductive, fallow ground. I looked at a verse a moment ago that speaks to my heart every time I look at it. Our Lord wrote to a good church, spoke to them, said, I'm in the midst of you. And let them know he knew, he knew so much about them. Told them, said, you're sound in doctrine. You're very active in service. But he said, the one true motive for true, for worship and service is missing. Oh, they, they were taking a stand for truth, and they was as active as they could be, full of labor even. They were working and even laboring. But the Lord said to that good church, I have somewhat against thee. You have left your first love. I mean, that is the true motive for all acceptable worship and service. He'll not smile on our worship unless it's motivated by a love to Him, our Lord. He will not reveal His pleasure. And that fire represents His presence that He's been pleased to be in this place today. And that glory is that sense that He's just around. He does that to a people that love Him. They're, they're gathered in His name. The primary motivation is they love Him. And I repeat, that was a good church. And in many ways you could, you could measure them and, and, and they wouldn't come up short. But He said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. You've left that which was so essential to have His approval upon their worship and their service. And then the second. I said there's three, and I just mentioned. That's what I wanted to preach about now for a few minutes. Let me mention the other two. It's obvious here. I don't even need much comment. This text that my departed friend says is the secret of heaven sent revival. It will cause us to take a personal examination 
And then that moves to what I'm calling a painful cultivation. See, it's not pleasant to be broken. Break up. We don't value broken things. We, we throw them away. But in the spiritual realm, God doesn't use anything until it's broken. A broken and a contrite heart, oh God, thou will not despise. In fact, he doesn't despise it. He puts a premium on it. And we're not usable until ego is broken and self is put down. And quit trying to promote herself and have to be noticed and want the attention and glory. As long as I'm that way, God says that needs to be broken. Painful cultivation. You say, what is brokenness? Well, it's openness. Honesty. Humility. Just acknowledging when God points out something. As I was, as I was taking inventory, this personal examination, and God says to me, there's self on the throne. There's, there's ego. There's something that's not for my glory. And if I confess that, if I acknowledge that, and turn away from that, and, and, and humble myself before God, and say, Lord, I don't want it that way. Oh, he, he won't, he won't despise that. Painful cultivation. There's a lot you can say about it, but let me move to this last uh, suggestion. I said there's three of them. Personal examination. See if my heart, my life is like phallogram. Painful cultivation. Break it up. And then what I'm calling a persistent supplication. Seek the Lord. How long? Till. Until He comes. And reigns. Righteousness upon you. I got a call back this last May from a uh, a doctor. He's a deacon in his church, but he's a doctor in that community. And uh, I've been knowing him for years. In fact, I knew him. His parents were part of a church that I used to go to. I've been going to that church since 1972. The pastor said when he introduced me this last year. That's not where the Deacon, or the doctor is a deacon now, but in the church to where his folks back in those years was part of. I met him in those days, but I have, he's come to hear me preach occasionally, but hadn't been around him in years. He called me back in May, and he said, Brother Hurt, he identified himself, told me where, why he was calling. He said, we, as he put it, said, our senior pastor has resigned. We don't have a senior pastor at our church, our youth pastor's sort of filling in with pastoral responsibilities at this point until we can call a senior pastor. And he said, uh, we, it's getting revival time. And, and said they've asked in, the, in a meeting if anyone had any suggestion. And I recommended that we call you, see if you could come preach a meeting for us. And I said to him, well, I, I'm honored and humbled that you'd think of me and I'm, I appreciate it. And we began to talk, and uh, he said, Brother Hurt, when could you come? And this was last May, and I said, well, I could work out something in, in uh, 2003, which will be this year. I said, I've got a date in the fall that's not filled. And he said, well, Brother Hurt, we were, this was May, they were hoping for something, and no later than, uh, than August, and preferably June or July, in their summer meeting. And I said, well... Uh, I'm sorry, unless there'd be a cancellation or something, a change in my schedule. I really don't have any time available. We talked for a minute, and he said, Well, Brother Hurt, I felt the Lord uh, laid you on my, on my heart to recommend to the men. He said, Could you, could you give us a, any time this year? Could you, could you just give us a day that you 
if you pass through our general area. And I checked the schedule and I was planning being home a week and it was not something that I really couldn't get out of, but it was just something that I'd, uh, I'd thought about being a part of. And I said to him and we got together on the, how much time it'd take me to get Sunday afternoon to where I would go Sunday evening and I knew that I could drive, I was in driving distance. And uh, I said I could come Wednesday through that Sunday morning, which would have been this past uh, fall, September. And he said, let me take it back to the men. They, he called me before the day was over and said, uh, we want you to come those days. Now I've said that to say this. I, that was in May. It's now 1st of September of this past year. I'm to be there about the third week. And uh, in the meantime, I've called a preacher. Preachers can get a hold of what I'm saying, how we, you know, sometimes talk to one another. I called a preacher that knows about that work, not in the, not, not in the community, but in a general area. And I said to him, and as preachers would talk, I said, I said, brother, let me just ask you a, a question, heart to heart. And he said, yeah. I said, work, and I named the church, First Baptist. When I work at First Baptist Church, <laughs> he said, First Baptist? I said, yeah. You gonna take that church? I said, no, no, they're not called me to be the pastor. Oh, he said, what do you mean? I said, they, they called me to, for a meeting. I said, would I, would I work in there? Would I fit out with that? And he said, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, tell me about it. <laughs> oh, he said, I hope you go. They need you over there. And I said, well, I said, now we're friends. You're not being critical. Just, I mean, from your, from your heart. Oh, he said, no, they're good, they're good people. They, they believe the Bible. He said, you know, it's it's First Baptist. <laughs> and I said, well, I go to some First Baptist. I know you do, but he said, this is, you know, this is downtown church. <laughs> this is a big church. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he said, you know, the professional people, all of them are there. We have two judges in the county. They're there. The doctors, the lawyers. The, I mean, he said, that's, you know, that's, that's uh, I'm country church out here. And, and he was way, I mean, over in another, another area, really. <laughs> and I said, Really? <laughs> He said, how in the world did you? I said, well, they called me. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, he said, I will tell you this, Brother Hurt. He said, I hope you go. But he said, I do want to say this to you. He said, they're a little more polished than you are. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've said that for a reason. I said, thanks. <laughs> you can tell he knows me. But my wife is going over to my schedule for that month, and we're, she was asking some questions, and we we're putting down to her, Lord willing, I'll be this week and this week and the meetings for that month, and there's a planning calendar there by the phone, and when I get somebody trying to locate me, she doesn't have to go through a lot of, she's got the numbers, she's got the place where I'm at, how they can reach me, and so on. And she came across that church, and she said, uh, I don't recognize that name. That's a new one, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it is. And I said something in 40 years of preaching I've never said, and I don't really know. Well, I guess I do know. No, just must be honest. But uh, it wasn't a good choice of words what I said. And, and don't send them this tape, amen. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, uh, now I, I'm, I'm joking here. They are good people. You'll hear what I'm talking about here in a minute. I said, yeah, it's my first time, and, and I sort of dread it. Now that got my wife's attention. She's never heard me say anything like that. And she looked at me and she said, and, and, and you know, and, and I know when something really registers with my wife. She said, why would you say that? 
Why would you take a church and go preach one that you dread going to? I said, oh, I don't, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That's a poor choice of words. Well, she said, tell me about it. And she, I said, no, no. She said, yeah, there's something. You wouldn't have said that. Tell me about it. I said, well, I guess I was intimidated by my friend. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he said they're, they're a lot more polished than I am. She said, well, don't you believe that? Just go down there and preach. Amen. Now, I've said that to say this. I'm talking about revival. I got there on a Wednesday. Incidentally, that was the first of the month. And I did that young pastor touch base with me. I never met him. Since then, they put him in as what they call their senior pastor. And uh, he touched base with me. I couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't express to you the sense of God's presence talking to him. The brokenness that he was that I sensed had been out of seminary too long and told me how God broke him in seminary in a revival. Didn't tell me what was going on there. He just said, Brother Hurt, I look forward to meeting you. And I just wanted you to know if there's anything we can do for you. He told me where I'd be going, what motels for. I got there on Wednesday night. I can't tell you. Wednesday night's a big place. place was filled. Balcony was filled. I couldn't tell you what happened in there Wednesday night. Scores of people broken around these altars, down these aisles. Preached on prayer. He came, took a microphone down here, and he was broken. He said, Brother Hurd has preached on prayer, and God has honored his word tonight. And God has laid hold to many of us about the importance of prayer. And said, I trust that more will join the the prayer group, we'll see you at 5 o'clock. Well, he, I said to him after, after we were dismissed, I said, now, you, you, you don't know me. I don't visit with anyone two or three hours before church. I said, I, I, you tell the people at 5 o'clock, I, I, that's, that's too close to church. I, I'm not over to motel sleep, but you tell them that I try to meet God for the service, but I do it alone. And he said, Brother Hurt, you didn't understand. It's not 5 p.m. Our prayer time is 5 a.m. <laughs> I said, 5 a.m. <laughs> I felt like saying to him, don't you know the Lord is still listening about 8? <laughs> and I said, really? You he said, yeah. I said, is that how long? He said, this is, yesterday was the 30th day. He said, no, we understand if that's too early. I said, no, I don't break, but I get up early. Well, I'll be there. I mean, if you're going to preach on prayer, I won't even go to the prayer meeting. I doubt they'd listen at you anymore. <laughs> and that's, I've said that. Said, I got there at 5 a.m. Thursday morning, and it's still dark at 5 o'clock. They've got an entranceway over here and goes out this way and some, and the light is on those entranceways. And parking lot's got a lot of cars. Street out here, courthouse over here, cars all around here. I go in and you saw such a group of people. Oh, I can't tell you what happened in those prayer times. Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning. He said, Brother Hurt, it's been going on. Oh, he said it took a couple of weeks for it to break through. The devil fought it. He since then has called, and I recommend some books that talk about how to have intercessory prayer. He called me the other day. In fact, he sent me a book on revival I'd never seen. Got it out of England. And what a stirring book it is. And he said, Brother Hurt, we've got that intercessory prayer ministry going now all the time. Oh, I can tell you on Sunday morning, 
what God did around that place. How God broke in there. He called me where I went and told me on Monday. He said, Brother Hurt, oh, it kept on Sunday night. People got saved. People has gone into communities and righted wrongs. And some of them has been long standing wrongs that people has been wrong with people. And said that it's spreading out through the schools. It's, it's in the community. And I don't say that to reflect on Wilbur Hurd. I've already told you. He said when, when we were talking about this verse, he said, I guess those three truths is the three things. Though he wasn't basing it on this verse. He said, that's probably what we did. He said, we just began to take an examination. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? That was his text. He that's got a pure heart and clean hands. He said, I just started saying to the people, we can't, we can't deceive God. Is your heart pure? What about your hands? It reflects who you are and what you do. And he said, Brother Hurt, God just started searching hearts, breaking hearts. He said, then we began to break up that old calloused heart. And then we started seeking the Lord. Oh, I'm glad God's still doing things like that. God bless you. Stand with me, please, as we stand with our heads bowed. All over the room, the Lord's in this place. He's here tonight. He's here in, a, in an awesome way. I've been preaching to Wilbur Hurt tonight. God knows I speak the truth. I said to him, if I could say it without being boastful, pardon me for being so personal, but I said to him over in the room before coming here tonight, more than any one thing I could desire, Lord, it's a genuine revival. Yes. To see you come among your people, yes. your glory, your power, your awesome power, and do a work that's lasting and a work that's spread for your own glory. Father, seal this truth, we pray thee. Seal it to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. The pastor's here.